this is a, a different set of hearings because they are they are really using um, Trump's uh, you know staffers, his key people, um, to lay out the case to say that you know this was this is really something they were pushing without any evidence that they're really pushing for their own benefits, uh, you know, fundraising significantly, um, you know, off of allegations that they, they knew support were rested on essentially no evidence or, or innuendo, uh, things like that. And, you know, there, there's really not an effective pushback so far from, um, you know, the, the Trump campaign. He's not on Twitter right now. He, um, he doesn't really have, uh, his, his own truth platform running in a, in a way that could actually push back well. Um, and so essentially the argument can simply be that, well, we need to be talking about something else and that, uh, you know, the, the January 6th incident wasn't that big a deal. It was simply a, a protest that went a little too far. Uh, but watching, you know, the video uh, presentations and, and hearing, you know, testimony from, say, the Capitol Hill, uh, police, you know, it's really hard to think that this was, you know, kind of no big deal, but it was it was a simple uh, political protest. It, it looks to be something that is a problem um, that we need to find ways to address, whether it's through, uh, you know, changing the Electoral Count Act or, or other means. Yeah, trying to overthrow uh, basically the U.S. government, like you said. <laughs> it's, it's a big deal. What's the yeah. end game here, David, with these public hearings and this presentation? You know, last time we talked, uh, you know, I said that perhaps there might be a criminal referrals coming out of this. There was a really interesting moment um, last week when the the members of the the commission themselves became something of a news item, um, which is really not their intention. Uh, when the the chair said that there would be no criminal referral coming, um, and particularly um, uh, Liz Cheney among others, um, saying that decision hadn't been actually made yet. So uh, it is really interesting to kind of think about what is the um, the the end game going to be about this? Certainly, there's there's the court of public opinion, um, but is there something more that comes from this? If this is simply you know a, uh, a, 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 a trying to whip up enthusiasm for the midterm elections, um, I think that doesn't do justice to what we all experienced on January 6th and our concerns um, about what could happen in the future. So um, whether it's you know recommending uh, you know kind of legislative activities that could could fix the problems with things like the electoral count act um, or if there are criminal referrals um, you know it's still an open question but um, certainly if these end up simply being you know kind of a uh, a democratic led version um, of maybe the Benghazi hearings um, you know then this is you know going to be unfortunate because something serious happened we need to address it David let me ask you this we've seen a lot of the primaries Midterms are, what, four or five months away now. Politically in this country, certainly President uh, Joe Biden's approval rating is down. Then you got all the question marks surrounding the GOP and Donald Trump. Uh, politics right now, kind of a mess in this country. How do you look at it when you're talking to your students? Well, probably you simply say that, yes, things are a little messy right now, but you remind yourself that, that in, in all times things have been messy. Um, and one of the ways you can get a, that perspective as well is to compare it internationally. If you look at the, the, the French elections um, that actually just happened over the weekend, um, while uh, President Macron had, you know, several months ago won himself another five-year presidential term, um, his political party just lost the absolute majority in their parliamentary um, legislative assembly. So, you know, they're going to have gridlock and disorder there, too. This is just the, the messy ways that politics works. Um, but it's important. Uh, we stick with the process. We continue to try to work through things and find compromises. Um, and that's really is the nature of politics. The nature of politics is not about 
um, having someone have a kind of dictatorial level of authority um, to order people around. I would put it much more on the authoritarian spectrum of, say, China or Russia. Um, so, yes, politics can be messy, um, but it's a lot better than the alternative. Let me ask you this. Have you seen any trends right now with David, with, with, with the pri- primaries going on, you know, with Trump-backed candidates, unbacked candidates, either one of the parties. Have you been able to draw some trends heading down the stretch drive of 22 to the midterms? You know, not exactly. I think our strongest statement is to say that, that we can kind of deny that certain things are foolproof, right? We can we can um, say that, that a Trump endorsement is not foolproof. We can say that, um, you know, that perhaps... Um, censoring Trump in the past is is not a guarantee that you're going to lose. Um, however, it does seem that most GOP candidates um, are trying to to walk the line right now between not being too Trump friendly, but not certainly not being um, uh, Trump opposed. Um, and on the Democratic side, I think we're seeing that there's a bit more moderation going on right now. Uh, uh, you know, progressive candidates who are seen as too far left. Um, or maybe not having quite as much success. Uh, but even there, you, once again, you can have outliers where um, very progressive candidates uh, break through and you make a name for themselves and capture primary victories. Dr. David Beer is with us, professor of political science, Malone University. Let's talk about President Biden a little bit. We mentioned approval rating is down. Uh, and he's had his plate full <laughs> since his first month on the job, you talk about now the war in Ukraine. He's had a pandemic to deal with. He has gasoline prices. He has product supply and everything. But talk about President Biden right now and how you look at his run. Well, certainly let's talk about gas prices, which historically have been one of those things that um, have, have had the closest tie to presidential approval rates. Um, and it's, it's one of those things about presidential approval rates because there's very little a president can actually do to influence gas prices, it, whether whether um, you know if we fast forward in the future and, and Democrats lost, and even in 2024, um, if Democrats lost, um, it's not as if all of a sudden the Republican Party could come in and fix gas prices. They would, in fact, have a similar situation going on. Um, so you know, there's there's a lot of basically you know pent up frustration, um, and the Democratic Party is perhaps frustrated because they had ambitions. Uh, for their agenda that have now, you know, kind of been lost because of their narrow majority in the Senate. Um, and Republicans are just frustrated because they're not the ones in power. Um, but somebody, they're frustrated for different reasons, right? And so um, Biden ends up getting kind of hit for not doing enough, and Republicans will hit him for doing too much. Um, and so it's, it's sort of a, a situation where there's just so many variables that are outside of the control um, and I think that's a particular testament to the to the fact that what you're referring to is the sort of the messiness um, of our politics right now. Uh, David, wouldn't you agree? I, I think President Biden, on the positive side, I thought he handled the pandemic pretty well when he moved in the office to get the, the vaccine rollout and everything. And also, I think probably the best thing he has done is in regards to NATO and keeping them unified in regards to this war into the Ukraine. Would you agree with that? Well, certainly with the, the pandemic, we were so far into it that it was, you know, the, the, the vaccine was well-developed, and so it was a matter of let's just be calm and stable and, and move forward. And certainly Biden had uh, an easier time making some of those arguments than, than Trump did because in his nature he's sort of more um, steady than than Trump is. As far as NATO, uh, once again, it was, uh, it was pretty easy for 
um, for the, the Americans to say, listen, you, you are, are bothered, you're scared of Russia's aggression, you know, here's a, here's a path forward you. But certainly we've been very supportive. I mean, I think if we can make, once again, another um, comparison internationally speaking, I mean, we're, we've been aggressive in countering Russia's, um, you know, kind of fight in Ukraine. Um, our pledge of $40 billion to Ukraine is almost the entire yearly budget of the French military. Uh, the French military sends out $50 billion a year. So that shows you the sort of the, the depth of our commitment um, in comparison to even um, European allies. Um, so certainly there's there's been a lot of strength there from the leadership of, of President Biden. How far, is, how close are we, in, in your viewpoint, are we to an escalation there with, as you mentioned, the mega power, the mega dollars of the United States now backing the Ukraine? I wouldn't say that we're close to an escalation. I think this is one thing that both sides really want to avoid. I think, I think unfortunately, we're just looking at a really long, drawn-out war um, because at this point, both sides um, see more likely and better scenarios coming from delaying than actually going to the negotiating table. Um, Russians hope to um, hold more territory so they can get more concessions um, when it comes time for negotiations, and Ukrainians think they can inflict more losses um, and they can maybe take back some more territory so that they can get advantages at the negotiating table. So at this point, I think we're just looking at a slow, protracted, and unfortunately bloody conflict. 